I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. I love that song, uh, The Rock Won't Move. Jesus is the rock that does not move. Listen, you may be here today, you may be going through, all hell may be breaking loose in your life, but you came to the right place today because God's presence is here, Jesus is here, and uh, today we get to step into week two of our series called Jesus Is. One of the things I love about what we learned last week is this, Jesus is alive. And uh, as we celebrated Easter, as we talked about Easter, everything in our Christian faith hinges on the fact that Jesus is alive. But in this series that we're doing called Jesus Is, one of the things that, that we're striving to do is to recognize who Jesus really is. In fact, and we live in such a world where, uh, believe it or not, a lot of people have a lot of definitions about who Jesus is. In fact, people want to make Jesus into things that he's not. And one of the things I've learned in my life is that it's important for me to have a clear view of who Jesus is. So I want to recap you. If you weren't here last week, there's two things that Pastor Jeff said in the, med- the message on Jesus is alive. The first one is this. He made this statement. It's very profound. Sin did not send Jesus to the world. Love did. Sin did not send Jesus to the world. Love did. The Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. You see, some of us, our idea of God is built around the fact that we blew it, so God had to come to earth, right? And uh, the truth is, God came because of love, not because of sin. He came because he wanted to love us. He wanted to meet us where we are and deal with our sin condition. The second statement is this. Sin never brings God closer, love does. Sin never brings God closer to us, but love always brings God closer. So this morning, as we jump into this idea that Jesus is, we need to begin with the the understanding that the world has a ton of definitions about who Jesus is. The world wants us to believe probably two things about Jesus. First is this, is that Jesus is a historical figure of the past, right? When you talk to people about who Jesus is and, and who the Bible says Jesus is and who the world says Jesus is, we get caught in this idea that Jesus is a historical figure of the past. We can look at him like we look at Benjamin Franklin and Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. And, you know, even though Jesus didn't get his face on a coin, uh, Jesus is this historical figure from the past. And if we're not careful, we will leave Jesus right in that moment. The other thing that happens is this, is that we make Jesus a religious icon of the present. I don't know about you, I've watched a million uh, either country music or uh, video music award shows where somebody wins, you know, uh, vocalist of the year and they stand up and they give a shout out to Jesus. You know, Jesus, thank you for making my record number one. And I'm like, what is that all about? We make Jesus a religious icon in the day in which we live. But I want you to understand Jesus is more than that. Jesus is more than a historical figure of the past. Jesus is more than a religious icon of the present. Today in our series, Jesus Is, I want you to understand Jesus is here and Jesus is now. Jesus is here and Jesus is now. If you have a Bible, I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture. You see, the Bible clearly tells us that God is is a God of three persons, that it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A few moments ago, we sang about that when we sang the doxology. We said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We praise the Son. We praise the, the Holy Ghost. And, and, and it's kind of a, a tricky thing because a lot of people, when you start saying, hey, let me explain to you the, uh, the Trinity, people are like, how do you explain the Trinity? Listen, at my best day, 
I have a difficult time explaining the Trinity. How can God be one God and yet be in three persons? But the best way I can explain it, because I grew up in Oklahoma, right? We have two things, wind and wheat. And uh, in Oklahoma, and tornadoes too, I guess we have three things. But uh, in Oklahoma, it was real simple. I just had to look at it this way. I am Sean the son, I am Sean a father, and I am Sean a husband. And yet I'm Saul just Sean. God is the same way. The Bible says God is a God of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when we talk about Jesus, Jesus wants us to understand who he is. And this whole series of Jesus is, is giving us a clearer picture of who the person of Christ is. And once we have a better idea of who he is, then we no longer have a blurred vision of who Jesus is. You know, I started asking this in my life. Why do I sometimes have a blurred vision of who Jesus is? It's because many times I make my problems bigger than Jesus. In fact, if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. We need to be in awe of God, not our problems in life. We need to be in awe of God, not our problems in life. One of the reasons our vision gets blurry is because we take our eyes off of who God is and who Jesus is and who his word says he is. And suddenly we begin to think, man, all of my problems are bigger than Jesus. And that's why we want to talk on this idea today that Jesus is here and Jesus is now. Jesus is not some religious icon that fits on a necklace. He is not just some historical figure from the past. He is the Jesus of here and he is the Jesus of now. A few years ago, I had a a friend, he was visiting uh, New York City. And so he did the thing that most people do when they go to New York City. He found a cab. And he was trying to get across the city. And when he got into the cab, he looked at the cab driver, and the cab driver had this statue sitting on the dash of his cab. And my friend was kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. That looks kind of odd sitting on your dash. And he said, uh, he said, hey, what is that on your dash? And he goes, oh, that is my God. He said, I'm trying to be faithful to my God. And so I put my God on my dashboard so that I can understand and know my God better. And my friend, without filter, looks back at this guy and he says, listen, bro, I just got to tell you this. My God would never fit on the dash of your car. I just want to tell you that up front. You see, when we have this view of God and we have this view of Jesus, many times our problems are bigger than who God is. And we should never allow that to be true. So today, I want us to get a clearer picture of who Jesus is because Jesus is here and he's now. If you have a pen, I want you to write down three things today. First of all, Jesus gets to fill in the blanks about who he is. Jesus gets to fill in the blanks. Now, this whole series is called Jesus Is, blank, period, right? And in this series, we're trying to put words to add to who Jesus is so you and I will understand him better. But the term alone, Jesus is, is in present perfect tense. We could literally stop right there and be done and just say today, good night, Southcrest, Jesus is, and walk out of this room. Because to say that statement alone gives full fulfillment to everything that God is. He is ever-present He is complete in and by himself. The Bible says about him, he is the self-existent one. Nobody put him into motion. Nobody had to get him started. From eternity to eternity, the Bible says that Jesus is and Jesus was. If you go back, and this morning I did this, I pulled out my dictionary. How many of you guys go look at simple terms in the dictionary and go, oh, is that what that means? I was looking through the dictionary this morning. I said, I wonder what the definition of is is. 
The definition of is means to be. So when I say to you today, Jesus is, he is completely present here in this moment, right here. Jesus is, he's complete in the present tense. You see, that blows up our idea that we talked about earlier, that Jesus is just a historical figure. He's so much more than that. He's perfectly present here in this moment. The cool thing is there's evidence of this in Scripture. In the Bible, when we say Jesus is, it's the same as saying when Jesus said, I am. 27 times in Scripture, Jesus made the statement, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that. Seven times alone in the book of John, he makes the statement, I am. And every time he made this statement in the book of John, he was trying to help them understand better who I am, that I am here and that I am now. I'm not for later, I'm for now. And I want to challenge our thinking this morning because Jesus is for now. Look what it says in John. Jesus is the bread of life, John 6, 35. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the gate. He's the good shepherd. He's the resurrection and the life, according to John eleven twenty five. 25. He's the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Jesus is the true vine. Here's what I love about it. Jesus gets to fill in the blanks. You see, today, as we talk about Jesus being here and now, it's got to start with this understanding. He has already told us who he is. Do we believe him? Jesus is here, and Jesus is now. So it leaves me with this thought. Why do we get so confused about who Jesus is? Why do we get so confused about who God is sometimes? So I thought of this statement. It's, it's not tough to fully comprehend God. It's impossible. Because the true nature that he is God means that I can't figure him out. And I want you to know the older I get in my life and the more I grow in my Christian faith, I'm okay with that. Because if I could figure God out, he wouldn't be God. Amen? He wouldn't be who he is. So it's not tough to fully comprehend God. It's impossible. In fact, God even told us this in his word in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. He makes this statement. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Look what he says. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So think about it. We're out here trying to figure out every little detail about who God is. And trying to make him fit into our box. And then suddenly we figure out we can't do it. You know, talking about Jesus, sometimes we try to bring Jesus down to our level. And we try to understand him on our level. And then many times what we do is we reject him because he's too much like us. Or we think he is. But that's not who Jesus is. If we're not careful, we'll try to define Jesus in our own terms. And in doing so, we'll create a man-made religion. And a man-made religion is our attempt to worship God. We have to be very careful of that. Jesus is everything his word says he is. He's not a man-made religion. He is here and he is now. And he gets to decide and he fills in the blanks for us. That's why I love what the Bible says when Jesus came to the earth. He came as Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. So not only did Jesus get to fill in the blanks, but number two, Jesus brought the presence of God to us permanently. He brought the presence of God to us permanently. Remember we talked about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? 
Well, according to John chapter 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples about his soon departure. And he said, hey guys, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to go prepare a place for you so that when I come back, I can take you to where I'm at. We call that heaven. And he said, but as I leave you, I want you to know something. The reason I'm leaving you is so that the presence of God can be permanently among you. Jesus is here and Jesus is now. Look what John chapter 14 verse 15 says. He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. That means helper. He says, I will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. That's a good thing to underline in your Bible. Look at verse 18. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And then I love this. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Listen, Jesus gets to fill in the blanks about who he is. He's told us, he's revealed himself to us. But secondly, Jesus came so that the presence of God could permanently dwell among you and I. Jesus is here, and Jesus is now. Jesus is here, and he is now. So I thought about this. Jesus never promised us an absence from life's problems. But he did promise us his presence and the latter is much greater. You see, some of you, the reason why you have unclarity about who Jesus is here and now is because somehow you thought Jesus was here to eradicate all my problems in life. You accepted a problem-solving Jesus. No, here's the thing. He never said, I'm going to come take away all your problems. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell among you and my presence will be with you forever. He never promised us an absence from life's problems. But here's the one thing that you can guarantee today. He promised us his presence, and his presence is greater than an absence of life's problems. You see, I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care how you're going through it. Jesus in the here and now is greater than your problems. Jesus in the here and now, his presence is greater than whatever it is you're going through in your life. Because he's here and he's now. The third thing I want us to get today, Jesus is alive and we are not alone. Jesus is alive. So you go, well, duh, Sean, that's what we celebrated last week. That's why we have candied eggs. That's why there's still some stinky eggs in my backyard. Because we celebrated that last week. We all got dressed up, fought on the way to church, fought on the way home, you know, <laughs> Easter. I want you to hear this statement. This caught me about Wednesday. Jesus is alive, and we are not alone. Did you hear that? Oh, let, me, let me say it again. Jesus is alive, and we are not alone. Let me illustrate it for you. Today, in this room, if suddenly we broke onto the screens and there's a CNN reporter or a Fox News reporter and they report that they have found, a, that they got a call, a cell phone call from someone on the Malaysian airliner and suddenly they called in and said, hey, we're, we're down here in the ocean. Uh, we're down here, we're alive and uh, we don't know where we're at. We're somewhere off the coast, but uh, we want you guys to get some boats out here and get us. 
How many of you guys think the world would just sit around and go, oh, that's nice. That, that's good. Every news station, every news tower would blow up. <laughs> People would freak out. Some of you would be running out of this room and jumping in the ocean and swimming towards the area. Because here's the thing. Suddenly you realize all these people that you thought were dead are now suddenly alive. And it brings a whole new hope and a whole new definition to your now. I want to tell you today, I have no idea if anyone on that airliner is alive. I have no idea if Elvis is living off of the coast of Jamaica somewhere at 80 years of age with bad sideburns. I have no idea. I have no idea if JFK is running around somewhere in the the Middle East. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus is alive and we are not alone. That I do know. That I can take to the bank. That changes my tomorrow. And for many of us, it changes our whole idea of our Christianity. Because it's no longer, hey, I get to love on Jesus till he comes, takes me back to my my heavenly home. No, listen, Jesus is not in your past. Jesus is in your now. Do you get that? Jesus is here and he is now. And he is alive and we are not alone. Jesus is not where and when. He is here and now. He is not just in the where and when. Well, when I need him, well, where, where there's an issue in my life. No, he's here and he's now. And that changes my life every moment. Oh, I started thinking about this and I, I thought back to that verse in John 14, 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, here's the truth. Either that's a true statement or Jesus is a liar. Jesus is here and he is now. So I started thinking about this. I thought, wow, how different would I live my Christian faith if I really lived as if Jesus were here and Jesus were now? Let me tell you what it would do. It would redefine my problems. It would redefine the things that I think are most important in my life. Why? Because I am not alone. Jesus is with me. I don't go through this place like orphans, like waiting for my daddy to come pick me up or waiting to find out who my mom is. God says, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. He's here and he's now. You see, I kind of look back at the disciples and say, how awesome And yet crazy, how was that for them when they spent all this time with Jesus? And at the end of of their time with Jesus, Jesus took them on this mountain and he gave them this incredible speech. It's kind of like his famous last words, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And he says these words, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he makes this statement. He said, and surely, and surely. And he wasn't talking about surely from that surely. He was saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The question is, are you and I living and worshiping the Jesus of the here and now? Or are we choosing to put him away in the past and as a religious icon. See, it scares me because we live in a world where there's so much spiritualism. 
Everybody has kind of their own flavor of how they want to define Jesus. But I want you to hear this today. The Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus of the here and now. And I even go back to that place where they're standing on the mountain and Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm not going to leave you. From now until the end of this age, in other words, until the time I come back, I am going to be with you. We have the promise of the witness of God. So let me ask you this question. Since when is Jesus' presence not, no longer enough? You ever thought about that? I mean, I meet a lot of believers. They're like, Sean, I, I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper in my faith. I, I need to be fed. I'm not being fed. And I go, wait a minute. Since when is Jesus' presence no longer enough? Here's what I believe. I believe our definition of Jesus and who he is in the here and now will radically change when what we long for most is just his presence in the here and in the now. Mm. We will never get any deeper than the presence of Jesus. Look at that statement. We will never get any deeper than the presence of Jesus. So I'm going to really scare some of you. You ready? This is going to freak some of you out. Jesus is here. See, truth be told, if, if he were to pop those doors open right there and walk down and stand in the middle of the aisle, he already has. He's here. His manifest presence is here. He left this earth so that his presence could permanently be with us through the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is here and he is now. And that ought to change your tomorrow. And that ought to change your today. And that ought to change the next five minutes and the next five years. And you know what? When you look at it in the whole scope of your eternity and your life, it changes everything. Because Jesus is here he is now. He is here and he is now. You see, here's what we need to do. We need to recognize him for who he is and we need to worship him for who he is. We cannot just leave this place and go, yeah, Jesus was there. I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> no, no, no. No, he's here. And we need to worship him today. I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I want us to sing this song together. God, I acknowledge you are my rock. You are my salvation. You are my fortress. You are my hiding place. You are my safety. You are my hope. Jesus, you are. Jesus, you have been. Jesus, you will always be. Jesus, you are here. Jesus, you are now. Jesus, you are in this place. I want us to worship him today because Jesus is here today in this place. Amen?
exactly who you say you are. Father, your word tells us that if you be lifted up, you will draw them into yourself. Lord, I pray in these next few moments, we've just told the world who you are. That you define, you fill in the blanks, that your presence is here, that you're alive and that you're here and that you're now. And Lord, there are people in this room, their life is so broken. They're trying to look for answers, and they're even trying to fill their heart with religion and trying to say, man, if I, if I can strive hard enough, then, then God will care enough about me. But, Lord, your love does not work that way. You so loved us that you came near. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, the invitation today is very simple. I want to invite you to know Jesus. Not a Jesus of a historical past. Not a Jesus of a religious icon. I want you to know the Jesus that is the rock of our salvation. He's the one that came and bled and died and rose again on the third day so that you and I could have forgiveness and hope and a tomorrow and a now. And a now. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you right now to just pray a very simple but very honest prayer with me. Would you just say these words to God? Say, dear God, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. Thank you for raising from the grave so that I could know forgiveness. And today, Jesus, I place all my faith and all my trust in you. 
Come into my life, forgive my sin, and be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus, I place all my trust in you today. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Listen, if you're here today and you just prayed that with me, and for the very first time you gave your life to Christ, with our heads bowed and as we're standing together here in this moment, would you just raise your hand today? Just say, Sean, I prayed that and I meant that. I meant those words. Today, I fully gave my life to Christ. I fully turned the control of my life away from me and completely over to him. And today, I have a brand new life. If that's you today, if you prayed with me, would you just hold your hand up? That's awesome. I want you to know that today, the most miraculous thing happened to you. You became a new person in Christ Jesus. And today you get to experience Jesus in the here and now like you never have before. And we want to help you walk that journey. Listen, some of you here today, you know Christ, but you're living for Jesus in the past, hoping that there will be a Jesus someday. And I want to pronounce to you today, Jesus wants you to worship him in the here and the now. He wants you to take your eyes off your problems, quit making your problems bigger than him, put your eyes on him. He is exactly who he said he is. He will never be any less true than he is to his word. Father in heaven, thank you today that you are the rock of our salvation, that you do not move, that you do not change, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you for every person today who for the first time gave their life to Christ, who trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. God, I pray they would tell a friend, I pray they would tell a a family member, somebody in their life, hey, listen, I went to that church and I gave my life to Jesus and something's different. God, I thank you that that's how you radically began transformation in my life. And Jesus, I thank you that you are here. And Jesus, I thank you that you are now. And Jesus, I thank you that you are here. And Jesus, I thank you that you are now. In your name we pray.